Jesus Over every heart and every mind Cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak Jesus Break. 
Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. <clears throat> hello, 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 hello. Good evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again another another episode of the world stepping in and standing out. Please to make sure you guys are hearing me clearly and loudly. Can you give me thumbs up and fire emojis in the comment section? Please, if you all can hear me, I will open fire emojis in the comments. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, Pastor Charles. Thank you, Ajete Emmanuel. You are all once again welcome back to another episode of the world. Um, if before I say anything else, please, Pastor Charles, can you see the guest here? Because I, I can't see anyone here. I can see Jenny and myself. Please, can you, can anyone see the guest speaker? Okay, my microphone is on. Okay, uh, um, I don't know, but we will still wait for Doctor Princess Abra. All right, okay. Um, Pastor Charles, please, can the music go down a little bit? And please, before we. Begin, uh, um speaker and microphones right now. Please can you mute yourself so that you can unmute yourself when you're about to speak for next week's all right. Welcome once again on another episode of the world. I hope you guys are doing good and I'm certain that you all can hear me now. So let me once again welcome you all to the world. My name is Miss Jennifer Usujamna and I'll be your host for tonight's show. I hope you're excited as I am for tonight's show because this topic is something that I've been yearning and willing to speak over. Last week about mental health and its stigma with our very own host Miss Celestina the Major Pond and our guest speaker um, mental health officer Beju. No sorry Ban. Yeah, and it was an amazing show. Everything was excellent and it was on point. Okay, I see you. I'm excited as well. All right, so they gave us an amazing show and that is what we are willing to continue today. Um, please, if you missed last week's show or any of our previous shows, you can still log on to the World on Podbean and listen to all our shows, previous shows, last week's shows, they are all still there. You just click on replay and you listen to it. Or you can better as well download it and listen to it in your leisure times. All right. So today the topic for our show is sickle cell disease. I don't know if any of you knows about sickle cell disease. I don't know if you've heard of genotypes, blood groups, resource factors, and the rest. I don't want to dive in, in all the juicy answers and everything that you are questioning to hear. So I'll hold on to that for now, and then I'll let our guest speakers deal with that for us tonight. 
So on our show tonight, we have two guest speakers, two amazing women who I've known for some years now. We have Dr. Mame Akosia Ejakobia, and then we have Dr. Princess Abra Jamra on our show. So please, doctors, if you can hear me, I would want you, starting from Dr. Mame Akosia Ejakobia, I would want you to say something small about yourself. I mean, just an intro for our guests and sorry for our listeners to know whom they are about to hear tonight. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Um, hello, everyone. Good evening. Uh, like she said, my name is Dr. Mame Akusia Ejakubia Ado. <laughs> you can call me Dr. Mame or Dr. Ado. Either is okay. Um, I trained or I studied in Ternopil National Medical University in Ukraine and recently had um, my induction into the Ghanaian medical um, system by the Ghana Medical Dental Council. And it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Okay, thank you, Dr. Mame Akosia. Um, please, if Dr. Princess can hear me, please, can you say something small about yourself as well before we start today's show? Okay, hello, everybody. Can you hear me? Yes, please, I can hear you. Okay, okay. Hi, everyone. So my name is um, Dr. Princess Abrejama. Um, I was also in Ukraine. I've known uh, Jingyi for quite some time. We were in the same senior high school, and then we met also again in Ukraine. Um, I also studied at the Lviv National Medical University, and at the moment, I'm preparing to write the Ghana medical license exams. So thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm happy and grateful to be here. Okay, thank you, doctors. It's also amazing, and I mean, we are all excited to also have you on here tonight. So, yeah, before we start our show tonight, I would also want to remind us that we are on Instagram. Um, on Instagram and then at the world on Facebook, so you can join our social media. Thank you very much. So now let's dive in into our topic. Um, doctors, since we are two, since sorry, since you are two here, I would want you all. Sorry, hold on. Please, can you hear hear me? Yes, we can. Okay. Okay. Yes. All it right. just breaks a little bit sometimes. It, it's breaking, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, sometimes. Hold on, I'm coming. Let me fix that real quick. Please, can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Yes, we can. Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry for the interruption. All right. So let's start. Please, um, Dr. Mamia Kosia, please, if we say sickle cell, what does it mean? What is sickle cell? And um, how would you explain this to a layman, a layman person for the person to understand you? All right. Thank you, Jennifer, once again. Um, so sickle cell disease 
is basically a group of inherited blood disorders in which there is okay. an inheritance of two abnormal hemoglobins with at least one of them being hemoglobin S or the sickle hemoglobin. Now, <laughs> for simplicity and easy understanding for the audience, I would okay. like to indulge our imaginations for a moment um, to be able to explain further what I just said. So imagine you get a cut, right? The blood that yeah. oozes out of your skin, that, that mm -hmm. blood has different component parts. So okay. near 50% of that is made up of what we call red blood cells. Now, just as the name suggests, this is responsible for the red color of our blood, right? This is just okay. by the way. Now, I want us to imagine fresh Play-Doh. What's in Ghana, we used to call clay that children play with, right? Yeah. So um, let's imagine taking there about a thumb size and rolling it up in our hands into a sphere, right? I, I would like <laughs> all of us to just engage for a little bit. So okay. do we have do we have a sphere in our minds? Yeah, we do. Okay. I okay. believe my so, audience do as well. Fantastic. So now mm. using your index finger and your thumb, just start to press gently on either side of this sphere mm -hmm. and press it in, dimpling it whilst it flattens a little bit, and then keep mm -hmm. the edges rounded. Now, this particular shape that we have right now is what we call a biconcave disc shape, right? And this is the yeah. normal shape of a red blood cell. Now, okay. with fresh Play-Doh, you know, it's malleable, it's very flexible. You can mold it into any shape you want, that kind of thing. So this is how flexible red blood cells also are, which makes them easy to move through blood vessels right so with this shape they have their normal functionality to be able to carry oxygen and nutrients throughout the body and they have a normal lifespan of 120 days yes okay. so this these okay. red blood cells that we just used play-doh to imagine now they contain yeah. proteins we call hemoglobin so these help them to carry oxygen so in non-sickle cell disease patients there are red blood cells that have this normal shape that we just spoke about. They have the adult type hemoglobin, which we term hemoglobin A or HbA, right? So now let's just keep in our minds that hemoglobin A is equal to the juicy, plump, biconcave shaped red blood cells, right? Now I want yeah. us to imagine old Jayanashi Play-Doh, right? <laughs> so... Um, imagine that in a C shape or a sickle shape, like the knife we used to harvest rice, or you know, that mm -hmm. moon that comes at the beginning of the month that looks like a crescent shape. So, yeah. imagine old giant ashy play doh in that particular shape. Now, you know, old play doh is flaky, is rigid, it easily crumbles. That's exactly how the red blood cells in sickle cell disease patients are like. So they are rigid, they are unable to move freely through vessels. So because of that, they, they can clog smaller blood vessels and cause a lot of complications. And with their size being like normal, um, no, with their size being less than normal size, it will also mean they have less functionality. They are unable to carry enough oxygen 
enough nutrients okay. that the body needs okay. and all of that and okay. just like the old play-doh that crumbles easily they also break down more easily having a lifespan of about 10 to 20 days right so okay. we get so if the, i heard you correctly the, the yeah. normal red blood cell that yeah. has the normal biconcave shape has the lifespan around 120 days yes but with the ab- abnormal red blood cells they have about 10, uh, 10 to 20 days, days. yes exactly wow. exactly wow. Wow. Okay. so okay. okay yes so this is the situation this sickled easily uh degradable red blood cell is the the situation in the sickle cell disease patients right so how exactly that happens is that remember the hemoglobin we spoke about now at the genetic level of the hemoglobin in these sickle cell patients there is a mutation that results in a hemoglobin s or a sickle hemoglobin instead of the hemoglobin a right and then this leads to the alteration in the shape of the red blood cells into that c or that sickled shape so just as we remember we remembered or we remember that the hemoglobin a is equal to the plump juicy you know uh, biconcave shape red red blood cells yeah yeah hemoglobin s is equal to sickle shaped red blood cells that easily break down and they are rigid and all of that, right? Okay. okay. So yes, okay. I mentioned that it's as a result of a gene mutation, right? So yeah. yes, this yeah. is a genetic disease and it has an autosomal recessive inheritance pattern. What this simply means is that it takes inheriting the genetic mutation from both parents to be able to manifest the disease so a person would have to have a hemoglobin s from their mom and a hemoglobin s from their dad to be able to be a sickle cell anemic patient right so the hemoglobin s in as much as it is for sickle shaped red blood cells what the recessive means is that on its on its own if it is combined with um, a healthy hemoglobin, that's the hemoglobin A, right? It wouldn't yeah. be able to dominate to cause the sickling of cells, but the hemoglobin A will be dominant. That's what the recessive means. So the hemoglobin S needs to combine with another hemoglobin S to be able to show its dominance. Either that or combine with another form of um, abnormal hemoglobin right to be able to be dominant so that's what this recessiveness means so so this um ss type and the taking one s from the mom taking one s from the dad this ss type is what many of us are accustomed to right and this is what we commonly term as sickle cell anemia but then it's actually just one aspect under the broad umbrella term sickle cell disease it's just one aspect so like i mentioned earlier there are different genetic mutations that can occur in the hemoglobin that will result in various abnormal hemoglobin forms which when combined with a hemoglobin s would result in sickle cell disease as well do you see 
So yeah. sickle cell disease yeah. is broad and the sickle cell okay. anemia with the SS genotype is just one one aspect. So this leads mm -hmm. me to the major sickle cell genotypes there are. Um, under this broad umbrella term sickle cell disease. So like I mentioned, there is the SS genotype where you inherit one um, S from your mom and one S from your dad. And that's the most common sickle cell disease um, genotype there is. And that's what we term the sickle cell anemia. So it has the worst symptoms um, compared to all the others, I believe. And then secondly, there's the SC genotype. So this SC is you inheriting um, the hemoglobin S from one parent and then another abnormal form of hemoglobin, which is hemoglobin C from your other parent. And then you get this SC genotype. This one too has similar um, severity, a similar severity to the SS genotype. And then there is the S beta thalassemia genotype and that one can be further broken down into two so there's the s beta plus thalassemia and then the s beta zero thalassemia i wouldn't want to go wow. too much into wow. detail yeah yeah, yes. yeah. but then the yeah. s beta zero thalassemia is also a, a very troublesome one it's as severe okay. as the hbss or the ss genotype and then there are other rare forms like the SD, SE, SO genotypes, but they are rare and they're, they're not usually that severe, right? Okay. So okay. Um, to sum it all up again, I mean, sickle cell disease is a group of inherited blood disorders that um, results from the inheritance of two abnormal hemoglobin forms with at least one being hemoglobin S as we've seen in these um, genotypes. And then the major genotypes there are, are the SS genotype, the SC genotype, and the S beta thalassemia genotypes. Okay. okay. Thank you, Dr. Mamia Kosia, for the in-depth explanation for the question that was asked. So we moved on to the next question, and this question goes to Dr. Princess. So, Dr. Princess, please, if you can hear me, I would also want you to continue for us from this question. How is this disease diagnosed? How is this sickle cell disease diagnosed? Okay, all right. Thank you very much for the question. So um, actually, the, the manner or the way in which the disease is diagnosed, um, there are a couple of ways that it can be diagnosed. Uh, for, for starters, they can, it can be diagnosed through a blood test. So usually they can perform what we call a full blood count or a complete blood count. So with that, um, they would normally see a high um, level of hemoglobin and then also there will be a high, um, something we call reticulocyte count. Um, that is the, the high hemoglobin and reticulocyte count is like, is the body's uh, way of compensating for the uh, rapid destruction of the RBCs. I think as Dr. Mamia Kosia initially mentioned, she said that the normal RBCs are supposed to have a lifespan of 120 days, right? But yes. um, these yes. normal um, sickle hemoglobins, the RBCs have a lifespan of just about 10 to 20 days. So because of that, the bone marrow is working like over time. 
to produce uh it keeps on working over time to produce more rbc so that we can have more hemoglobin in the bloodstream so due to that when they do a blood test they would find that there is a high level of hemoglobin and then also they can also find that there is a high um, reticulocyte count and then also they can do um, a blood film um, with a blood film under microscopy, they are able to identify something we call um, target cells or the Jolly body cells. So those ones, they identify them through um, the action of the, due to the disease, there is a disorder that affects the function of the spleen. So the function of the spleen is either sometimes very, very diminished and the, the spleen is like almost non-functional. So because of the, the diminished function of the spleen in the body, they would identify the um, target cells or the whole jolly bodies, bodies under microscopy. And then also another um, way in which it can be identified is through hemoglobin electrophoresis. Um, this is something that I myself, I wanted to know my sickle cell status. So this is a test that I did, I think about two or three weeks ago. Um, it is very, it's not very expensive. It was just about 70 cities. And I believe that almost all of us here, if we don't know our sickle cell status, we can just go to a lab and then you pay and get it checked. So with the hemoglobin electrophoresis, it's like they kind of um, run your blood through, um, it's kind of a speed process, it's a gel, and then they, they kind of speedily run the, the blood through the gel, and then through that, it settles the different types of hemoglobin on uh, different speeds and different levels. So they are able to identify through the hemoglobin electrophoresis, they are, they are able to identify if you have the normal hemoglobin, which is the hemoglobin A, or if you have the abnormal hemoglobin, which is the hemoglobin S, or any other abnormal type of hemoglobin, like the, the Dr. Mamia Kusia mentioned, hemoglobin C, or they can also even identify there's hemoglobin I, hemoglobin E. So that hemoglobin electrophoresis is a test that can be used to determine whether someone has the trait or not. And then um, aside that, also there, there, there are additional testing that could be done. Usually we call them like ancillary tests that can help to kind of aid with the diagnosis of the condition that you have. So they can be based on the presenting symptoms of the patient. You can do a urine, urine test or renal function test where you check the function of the kidneys. You can check the chest x-ray because some of the symptoms of the disease is that the patient can have something we call pulmonary edema. So they can perform a chest x-ray. Um, they can perform several other tests, MRI, CT scan, oh, an abdominal okay. ultrasound and all of that just to kind of aid with the diagnosis. But then mainly it is going to be the blood test. It is going to be the blood film. And then it is going to be the hemoglobin electrophoresis. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Princess. So before you go, please, can you help us with this question? What is sickle cell trait? Okay. So sickle cell trait, um, when we talk about sickle cell trait, it means that we have... So an if we say sickle cell trait, please, can you explain it for us? Yes. Can, can you hear me? Hello? Yes, I can hear you, but I, I don't know if Jennifer ah. can... Okay. All right. So 
when we say sickle cell trait, it describes a condition in which... Yeah, I can actually hear you. Please, can you hear her? I think your network is lagging a bit. Yes, I think her network is lagging behind, yeah. Okay. I I think you can go ahead. I'm sure the audience can. All right. So when we when we talk about the sickle cell trait, it is a condition in which a person has um, one normal allele or the hemoglobin A for maybe one parent, and then the person another uh, has another abnormal hemoglobin hemoglobin S from the mother. So for example, we have a patient. The patient has a father, and the father maybe maybe AA, the mother maybe AS. And then the patient inherits one A hemoglobin from the, the father and then inherits the abnormal hemoglobin, which is the S from the mother. So in this in this type of people, their genotype is that they have the AS genotype. So they have one normal allele for hemoglobin A and then they have the S, which is the abnormal um, allele. And in these people, they exhibit something that we call codominance. So when we say codominance, when you take the blood of these patients, there is the, the, the there is a 50% normal hemoglobin, and then there is also 50% abnormal hemoglobin. So the two hemoglobins, they are coexisting. Um, one is not affecting the other. And then usually the people that have the sickle cell trait, they have um, something we call, um, they, they have some kind of... Um, I would say maybe some form of genetic adaptation to malaria. So these patients, they are not affected really by malaria. Even if they would get malaria, they they don't catch severe malaria or they don't have severe symptoms of malaria, unlike the people that have the AA genotype. And that is primarily because they have normal hemoglobin and then they also have abnormal hemoglobin. So there is some some kind of like a balance between the two. So if the malaria parasite tries to infect the abnormal hemoglobin, it is not going to be possible. And because of that, they don't really have severe symptoms when it comes to malaria. So they kind of have a survival, um, survival trait, I would say, towards malaria. So that's who we call someone that has a sickle cell trait. They have the AS genotype, the A for normal hemoglobin and also the S for abnormal hemoglobin, yes. Okay, okay, okay. I just wanted to add something little to what she said concerning the sickle cell trait. So um, concerning the sickled cells, the actual sickled cells, um, though they have reduced functionality in carrying oxygen, so this creates a very hostile environment for the parasites to grow. And that's how they also pr- um, protect um, the people from malaria and its symptoms and all of that. Okay. I just wanted to add. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, Dr. Mame, thank you for the addition. Please, this question actually goes to you, so you might as well continue. Can you run us through the signs and symptoms of sickle cell disease? All right. So um, for sickle cell disease, first of all, there is signs and symptoms, there are signs and symptoms of anemia. That's like the pallor, weakness, easy fatigability or tiredness, and headaches, and sometimes even fainting, really. And they have frequent pain episodes. 
So okay. um, these pain episodes attack usually the chest, the back, the limbs, that's the arms and the legs. Um, then they can exhibit um, frontal bossing. They can have frontal bossing and nathopathy. These are um, bone deformities as a result of the bone marrow trying to compensate this uh, rapid degradation in red blood cells. So they undergo something called bone marrow hyperplasia to try to compensate. And that's what results in the frontal bossing and nathopathy because bones that are not normally involved in... Um, production of red blood cells end up having to come on board to compensate so that's where that comes from then they can they also um, exhibit frequent infections they get frequent infections they can have visual problems as well um, when there is blockage of vessels leading to the eye um, they can have leg ulcers fever fever as well yeah just to mention a few okay okay all right thank you very much for your answer so you are all welcome once again to the wells and today our topic for discussion is sickle cell disease so if you just tuned in we are welcome and keep listening as we dive you into the series of sickle cell diseases its symptoms its traits and the other few so our next question goes to dr princess dr princess please can you give us some of the complications of sickle cell disease for more understanding, what are some of the complications that come with sickle cell diseases? What are some of the things that a normal person would see and would get to understand that, no, these are some of the complications that come with this disease? Okay, so um, some of the complications that come with the sickle cell disease, for example, is um, what we call cerebrovascular accident, or in other, in other words, it can also mean stroke. So in these patients, because um, usually they have something we call um, vaso-occlusive crisis. Please, am I audible? Yes, please, you're yes. audible. Okay. Sorry, I thought I thought my my airports just went off. Okay. So we have um, in these patients one of the pathophysiology of the disease is something we call vaso-occlusive crisis. So I think um, Dr. Mamia Kusia did a good job in uh, trying to help us picture the normal size of the red blood cells and also how they become sickle shaped or they become abnormal. So because they are abnormal and then they are rigid, they kind of uh, block Form, they kind of adhere to each other and then they block their mi micro uh, vascular uh, I mean the micro vessels, so the blood vessels. So because they occlude and then they block the blood vessels, they can prevent the uh, blood supply to various organs of the of the body. They can prevent in the same way oxygen supply to various parts of the body. They can prevent nut nutrient supply to various parts of the body. So because of this vessel occlusive crisis where the blood vessels are being clogged or blocked, it means that um, we see dysfunctions in the brain. And then usually because of the um, hypoxia, because of ischemia, reduced blood supply, in these patients, there sorry, could be sorry, a Dr. presence Prince. of stroke. Sorry. Please, yes. can I come in before you continue? I think the medical yes. terms are too 
Hey, I'm sorry. You. For, for our audience, okay. especially those who are not health prof- uh, professionals. Sorry. Okay. So please, I don't know with the hyposia and the rest. Can you okay. just use the normal layman sense for them to understand, please? All right. All right. Okay. Thank so, <laughs> so we are saying that the, the blood uh, cells, she described it. Yeah. They are shaped like yeah. a disc. But then yeah. in sickle cell, the blood cells would, would change shape, yeah? They will have abnormal shape. So because the shapes are abnormal, they, they kind of clamp together, okay? And then they block their blood vessels. So because they are blocking the blood vessels, blood cannot flow through freely, okay? okay. So if we take the brain, for example, there is going to be reduced blood supply to the brain. And in these patients, we can see something like stroke, Stroke. Okay. I, I think okay. we, are, we are all probably familiar with the word stroke. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. So in these patients, you can have stroke. In these patients, they can have like a, um, chronic pain. She described that okay. these people, they have pain all over their body. But because of okay. the, the blocking of the blood vessels and because of the reduction of blood supply, they can have pain all over their body, in their bones, in their joints, pain in their chest almost everywhere and it is chronic pain so if we say chronic pain it means that the pain that is lasting for a very very long time usually when they have the episodes of pain it can last maybe within an hour to a couple of days maximum but because of the progression of the disease they can have chronic pain pain that will last for a very very long time and then also these patients, you see that she also said that the patients are also sometimes exposed to problems of uh, bleeding into their eyes. So they can have problems with their sight. Um, I think I was speaking with my mom and she was telling me about a friend of hers whose son is um, a sickle cell patient. And then she told me that the child has lost his sight just wow. recently someone who just graduated from the university, he has lost his sight. So eye problems are part of the the complications that can come with the disease. We can have also complications with the kidney because again, there is reduced blood supply to the kidneys. So because of that, there can be problems also coming in with the kidneys. And then also there can also be um, something, something, there can also be something we call um, pulmonary hypertension. <laughs> I'll, I'll break it down. <laughs> Please break it down. For okay, so there can be pulmonary hypertension. Um, let's say, uh, how, how would I describe it? Um, I think most of us know hypertension. Please, if you know hypertension, let me see if I am Okay, all right. Yeah. And then also there can be um, uh, gallstones. So because there is constantly increased breaking down of the red blood cells, constant increase breaking down of the red blood cells, there is going to be a byproduct of the breakdown of the hemoglobin. The, the hemoglobin we are talking about, when it's constantly being broken down, we have a byproduct that is called bilirubin. So these patients, they will have a high elevated level of bilirubin in their blood, and then it can lead to something we call gallstones. Gallstones. Maybe I'm sure some of us are familiar with it. So it is also a complication. And then also another complication is that they can have 
bone necrosis. So I think she also mentioned that the bone marrow is kind of like working over time to produce more RBCs so that they can, uh, they can uh, compensate what is going on in the body, yeah? And then because yeah. of the vessel occlusion, there is also reduced blood supply to the bones. So also these people can have something we call bone necrosis. That is basically the death of the, the tissues and cells inside the bone. So they can have bone necrosis. So I, I, I hope I was able to break it down. <laughs> Everybody okay. to understand. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's better than before. It's better than before. Thank okay. you very much. Thank you very much. Okay, so Dr. Mamia Kosia, please, yes. if you are there, please. Um, is there a treatment for sickle cell disease, please? Okay, so for this question, there is unfortunately no universal cure yet. However, there have been some promising treatment measures. Um, recorded by far, first of which is the um, hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. Um, so <laughs> this is basically um, taking the stem cells. Stem cells are cells that in, in the body end up maturing and then um, specializing into other cells that um, work um or function differently in different capacities like the red blood cell, right? So these stem cells are like the baby forms of all forms of cells in the body. So they harvest these stem cells from healthy donors and then um, give it to affected uh, um, patients with sickle cell disease. That's basically what this hematopoietic stem cell transplantation means. So um, research has shown this um, particular method to be associated with very excellent outcome and event-free survivals. However, it's not universally available. I mean, I don't think we have it in Ghana here to start with. And it's very costly, like dollars type of costly, not Ghana's this type of costly. And um, it's also associated with high risk of death. And you would also need a very close match um, for the transplantation if not there's risk of um transplant rejection as well so um that's one but then it's it's been proven to have excellent outcome and then the second one is gene therapy um so i think in 2019 they're about on cbs news they interviewed one young african-american um who at the time was sickle cell free but then about six five years back was battling sickle cell and she was um, lined up for clinical trial with um, this gene therapy. So what they do in this gene therapy is they um, take the girl's own, they took the girl's own um, stem cells, the, the defective stem cells, and then they used HIV, <laughs> but the disabled form Right, I'm oh. sure you're yeah, surprised a little bit, but they yeah, use yeah. the disabled form of HIV to genetically okay. modify these defective stem cells. Then they used chemotherapy, which is uh, some really, really strong, tough drugs to bring down her immune system. And then they reintroduced these genetically modified 
um, stem cells back into the patient. So nine months later, after the reintroduction of her stem cells, um, her blood film was clean from um, sickled, sickled cells. And six years, five years down the line, they, in they interviewed her on that segment of the um, news show to talk about her journey and everything. So that is also one of the proven um, measures for sickle cell treatment. But I mean, there are issues like this whole HIV, I'm sure it will scare people, give people heart attack and things like yeah. that. And yeah. how it's yeah. not universally available, how costly it is and all of that. So um, there isn't a universal cure yet. However, there is um, management, adequate management for people with sickle cell disease. And this can be tackled on three levels or three tiers. The first one is preventive um, management. So that's where we have the preconception or premarital genetic testing and screening and strategic uh, reproductive choices. So this is where it's very, very important for all of us to screen, get to know our genotypes so that we can, we can make well-informed partner decisions, like life partner decisions and things like that. Um, instead of having to wait till you are deep in love with somebody before they're going to check. I mean, it's very, very important. It's very, very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we end up being faced with a choice of love over chance or chance over love. And I think it's very important to normalize these in conversations with friends, with uh, prospective partners and things like that, like checking your genotype, you know, what's your genotype and things like that. It doesn't have to be awkward conversations. I mean, you can use funny, funny ways to find out and then know who to delve deep into and who not to delve deep into. Yes. So it's very important. That's the first tier. The second tier or second level is the prenatal diagnostic testing of carrier or sickle cell uh, patients um, and um, sorry those who are pregnant here yeah? and the prenatal diagnostic testing of them and then education of the carrier patients or sickle cell disease mothers mm. as the second the second tier the second level now this is something that's not really done in Ghana but um, in more advanced countries they're able to um, diagnose sickle cell mm -hmm. at um, in utero as whilst the baby is in the mother's um, womb yes so this is where the ethical dilemma of oh, what do i do now when i when i found out maybe my baby is an ss or something what do i do now those kind of things that's where those ethical dilemmas come up but fortunately in ghana uh, that's not really uh something for us to deal with we don't have that much and technological advancements to start with to come and have to think about abortion and things like that so it's not really something we have to deal with but that's the second tier yeah. and then the third tier or the third level of management is where we actually do the holistic management of the sickle cell disease in itself so this one um can further be categorized into two, like the health maintenance and then the, ma the management of complications. So I would 
not want to delve too deep into the okay. management of complications because it's specific to which complication manifests and it's something that uh, the healthcare team um, manage at the hospital you know so it's quite um, high I guess for what we're talking about now but um, generally it involves like adequate ox oxygenation of the patient, hydration of the patient, providing adequate analgesic or pain relief, um, um, and then antibiotics. Sometimes you might uh, need to do some surgeries like removing the spleen and some um, blood transfusions and those kind of things, but then it's specific to whichever complication is manifesting that's why i wouldn't want to delve too deep um but where i'd like to focus more on is the health maintenance because it involves things that um the patients can do on their own and things that i mean if you have a relative or a friend that's affected you can also educate them on so that's where i would like to focus more on and the first thing there is education so okay. just like we're doing educating people on the disease educating them on the importance of self-management self-management is basically being aware of your status and um not doing things to endanger your health and then educating them on the red lights um of the disease upon which you need to seek emergency care and things like that so that's the first one education then the second is um avoiding triggers that cause crises so um for the pain crisis some of the triggers are extremes of temperature so you should keep adequately warm after um reports to the hospital if you have fever and um the second trigger is dehydration okay you need to drink a lot of water in that case to prevent dehydration you need to avoid stress which is also another trigger for the pain crisis you need to avoid places or situations that expose you to high altitudes or low oxygen levels so um for the stress like physical and emotional stress the physical stress is something that can also expose you to low oxygen levels because then your body needs more oxygen to be able to compensate for the workouts and things you are doing so please <laughs> the people that like to you know impress people at the gym and things like that please let's just know our status and know not to do that you know it's not everything that's for everybody yeah <laughs> yes so this kind of exercise that's above your peer grade and things like that's just abstain from it so that you don't end up having any sickle cell crisis then um to prevent infections infections can cause hyperhemolytic crisis in a sickle cell patient so uh, to prevent that you need to be on schedule with your immunizations that's the vaccinations so uh, if it's the flu vaccine you need to take it yearly and all those other immunizations to prevent to protect you from infections as well for children the pneumococcal vaccine is okay. one they need to be um on schedule with okay. um then as well you need to do uh, a penicillin prophylaxis um, and this protects you from 
like something called encapsulated bacterial infections. So on a norm, the spleen um, in normal function has an immunity, like an immunity function, right? To protect us yeah. from some bacteria. They're called mm -hmm. encapsulated bacteria. So uh, during sickle cell um, disease, especially the sequestration crisis or the splenic sequestration crisis, which is one of the crises, yeah, mm -hmm. and the spleen becomes hypofunctional and it's not able to, um, what's it called, adequately function in its immune, immune um, sector. Let me say it that way. So these bacteria will start smiling at the patient because i mean they have the opportunity to take over at that point so it's very very necessary to do your penicillin prophylaxis to counter those bacteria that can infect you as a result of your spleen not adequately functioning right and then going to the basic level of washing your hands often with soap and clean water and because I mean, direct contact is one of the easiest ways uh, infections are spread. Then um, preparing food safely, because bacteria can also um, affect people through food. Then aside that, uh, there's also uh, the routine transcranial Doppler screening. This sounds like a lot of big words, but they yeah, basically yeah. Um, image or how, how do I call it? They use imaging studies to check the flow of blood through the vessels that supply your brain. So okay. they do this to assess the risk of stroke in okay. sickle cell um, children, yeah. adults. Uh -huh. But it's yeah. not universally available as well. So it's only as and where available that you should do this. And as well, routine ophthalmological screening. This is checking your eyes for any deterioration as a result of the disease mm. um, so that they can't give you any adequate uh, treatment for that and then there is the there are some drugs uh, that help to reduce the frequency of crisis um, like the pain crisis for instance and the common one is hydroxyurea in Ghana it is quite expensive though so it's important to have your insurance in check because then it can help you know subsidize the cost but yeah hydroxyurea is one of them um it helps to reduce the frequency of pain crisis there are some others like uh, l-glutamine and crizanlizumab but um hydroxyurea is the most common and then um there's the red blood cell transfusions but this isn't um usually first line because of the risks associated with it Usually they start from the hematinics, that's uh, vitamin supplements like folic acid and iron to stabilize the anemic um, situation in the patients. So good nutrition is also necessary. Then supportive therapy like physiotherapy, psychotherapy and counseling, peer and family support and adequate self-management as well are all uh, ways to help manage um, sickle cell disease and improve the quality of life of affected persons. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you very much, Dr. Mami Akosia. Thank you very much. Okay, so um, I think I would have to reframe my question that then there is 
no treatment for sickle so at least there are managements for it so yeah i would have to bear that in mind okay so um please there is a question on the platform esther obia and cancer is asking which genotypes are compatible with as and ss thank you so dr princess and dr maniakosia please any of you can help us with the answer before we move forward okay <clears throat> excuse me so as and ss right <clears throat> for aas they are compatible with any whatsoever they have the bragging rights here, the AA genotypes. They can <laughs> combine with any and they don't have to think about anything whatsoever. So AAs are compatible. Um, if it's with AS, an AS combining with an AS, there is a 75% chance of not having sickle cell anemia in your offspring. And it doesn't mean, oh, maybe you get to um give birth to maybe two then the third one will be the one no 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 there's a 70 there's a 75 percent chance of not getting sickle cell anemia in each birth which means yeah. there's a 25 percent chance each pregnancy can have sickle cell anemia yeah. right yeah. and then yeah. an as combining with an ss is really not advisable because then there is a 50 percent chance of each pregnancy having sickle cell anemia 50 50 it's like you're betting with your <laughs> excuse me but yes it's a 50 50 50 chance so it's really not advisable and then um an as with no for the ss you shouldn't you shouldn't look to combine with another ss that one i don't know who will help who really because then both of you would be struggling all your children would be struggling that would not really be a good place to be um, especially in a developing country like we are in in ghana here so please yeah. sssss is a no-go please don't do it ss okay. i think i mentioned that that's the 50 yeah, 50. Yeah. yes that. yes and then asac there is also a 75 percent chance of not having sickle cell anemia in each pregnancy which means there's a 25 percent chance each of your pregnancies could have sickle cell anemia no sickle cell disease because then you would have sc yeah SC, yeah. yeah so basically aa free range but as look for aa or be counseled if your your loved one your dearest is an as or an ss same for ss free range with an aa but be counseled if your loved one or your dearest honey bunny is an as or ss that's what okay. i can say okay yes. thank you so much thank you so much okay dr princess please are you here can you hear us yes please Yes, okay, okay. Um, I have these last two questions for you before we wrap up. The first one is how long does a person with sickle cell leave? How long? Okay, so um, for that, honestly, right now we only have um, confirmed statistics for the developed world. When I say the developed world, we are talking about the America, the UK, the <laughs> Europe, and all of that. So for them, 
um, for now, they are saying that um, the life expectancy or how long a patient with sickle cell can live is between the years of about 40 to 60. So they were saying that roughly around 42 years of age for men and then around 46 years of age for women, but then they opened the ring to about 40 to 60 years. For Africa and for Sub-Saharan Africa and all these other developing countries, we don't really have um, any confirmed statistics on the life expectancy of these patients, but definitely ours is lower, to be honest, because wow. these people in this developed world, they have access to all these um, yeah. uh, interventions that help the patients. But That's... in Africa, we don't really have access to so many things and then once again, patients not being aware of the condition, not knowing how to go about it. So usually we see that sometimes people will maybe die around the age of 30, maybe 23, 32, you know. But for now, the confirmed expectancy is between the age of 40 to 60 years for the developed world. And then uh, for us, honestly, we don't really have confirmed uh, uh statistics but then they, they, there is also a saying that those people they they live 20 years lesser than a normal person that's also another um uh scene or uh, another i would say finding that they live about 20 to 30 years lesser than someone that does not have the uh sickle cell uh disease or anemia, sorry, no disease, sickle cell anemia. And okay. I also wanted to add something to what um, Dr. Mamia Kosia said before you asked the second question. Um, yes. She was talking about the prevention. The prevention is very, very, very important. Just like what we are doing right now. It is very important that we all know our sickle cell status. Honestly, the test is not expensive. I did it, it was 70 cities. I mean, 70 cities to know something this important, I don't think that it is very expensive. You you can save small, small. Then when you have the sum, you go and do the test. It's important you know. And I think that when you know, we also need to keep that at the back of our minds that when you have children, it's important you know their status as well. Because mm -hmm. I believe that if you as a parent, you know the status of your child, when your child is mature to that age where maybe you believe that they may start seeing um, some people or maybe they may start getting into relationships, you can inform your child that, hey, this is your sickle cell status. I believe yeah. that it helps the child so that when she meets someone and then that person also knows their status, they will not waste each other's time. So yeah. maybe yeah. I know I am AS. Then I go and meet someone who is also AS. Okay. We, 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 well, I don't think this thing will really work. We go our separate ways before it, before it becomes too late for us to, I would say, walk away. Yeah. You know? I believe that before when it becomes critical. Yeah, it's important. It's going yeah. to prevent us from wasting each other's time. Okay. And then also, I believe that when, when we, um, just as she mentioned, all those uh, screening tests that are done to diagnose the, the condition, even in pregnant women, 
Africa, we are not so uh, blessed to have that yeah. yet. But also mm -hmm. there is the newborn screening where right when the, a child is born, this is something that the developed world, they are also doing. When they, they give birth to a newborn, 24 hours after the baby has fed, has been taking breast milk, they can do an, a, a, a heel prick. They take some blood sample and then they can check. So when they check, you as the mother, when you know this, it's important that you keep following up with the doctors so that they can manage the, the child well. Because if usually for the first six months of life, there is not going to be any symptoms in the baby. Why? Okay. Because the baby still has something we call the fetal hemoglobin. So they don't okay. exhibit the signs of the disease. But after six months of uh, life, that is when you start seeing the symptoms in the, in, in the baby, you see. So yeah. if, if you, you as a mother, you come and then we, we find out, we tell you that, hey, your child is sickle cell. And for the first three months, you don't see any signs. Oh, so you, you stay back with the child and by the time you start to bring the child to the hospital it's already like you know things are already getting out of hand and yeah. also another important thing i want to say before the next question is that we should always know that medical knowledge was inspired by god it is God that gave the people knowledge to know that, hey, there is this, there is this. If we combine Thank this, we can you. do this. You see, Thank medical you. knowledge is not separate from Christianity. No, if you read the Bible, you know that Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke was a physician. He was a doctor, but he was also a disciple of Christ. Yeah. There was no way in the Bible that Christ told Luke that, hey, stop your doctor job and come and follow me he was a doctor and then also he was following christ so when you come and we tell you these things or you find out these things please don't say that oh and neglect uh, everything that you are being told to do do them and pray alongside and i believe yeah. that when we do these things it is going to help us in in the long run yes thank you, thank you. Oh, and thank to you. add to add to the important points she was uh, putting out for yeah. women especially it's very very important to know because then your sickle if you are a sickle cell disease patient or person you need to have planned pregnancies only because your pregnancies are high risk so mm -hmm. for women it is especially important for us to know our genotypes so that mm -hmm. Um, should you get to childbearing age and be interested in um, giving birth, the medical team can know how to take care of you appropriately okay. to usher you to safe delivery, right? Okay. I just wanted okay. to add that. All right, all right. Thank you so much, doctors. This will be our last Jenny, question. Jenny, sorry, I think Pastor is asking me a question. Please, me, I'm a braga or I'm AA. <laughs> Pastor is asking. <laughs> please, you have your answer now. Okay, please. They are asking, doctors, is it advisable to be taking folic acid as supplements against sickle cell disease? It's not going to cure the disease or anything but then it's going to significantly help with the in anemia aspect of the sickle cell disease but do see your physician for adequate you know advice on how exactly to take it okay 
So the last question for Dr. Princess, please, the one who asked this question, Dr. Mamiakosi, I just answered you. I don't know if you are okay with the answer. Um, okay, so we move on to the last question, Dr. Princess. And the last question is, as you guys being medical doctors, some of us being health professionals, how can we throw more light? How can we educate people more on this particular disease? Because it is something that I've seen going on in the hospitals and I don't see people talk about it so much. So what can we do to put this information out there for people to really get to understand the effectiveness of, um, no, sorry, the, the danger of this disease and how they can restrain from it? Because as we all say, prevention is better than cure. So if we are able to prevent ourselves from bringing forth offsprings who are sickle cell disease children, I think we can actually start from there. What can we do more? Mm, okay, so I would say, um one thing that we can do is for example just as what, what we are doing now um mm -hmm. i would tackle it from the religious perspective because i believe um ghana as a country we are very very religious people yeah. so i believe that if we inculcate um health health talks as part of our uh, maybe church services, maybe those of us that may be uh, Muslim, maybe uh, Islamic activities and whichever religion, I believe that dedicating an aspect of the meetings to discuss these things really help. Because if the person yeah. is coming to church and then there is a talk about sickle cell in church, I believe yeah. that the person would sit down and be more attentive to that yeah. talk as compared to going to a hospital to listen to the talk yes. so taking it from the religious aspect i believe is going to is going to go a long way to educate yeah. so many people and then yeah. also um putting it on our tv on the radio also has an aspect of people that it can address and then also it can educate and then individually educating our friends educating our families about these things maybe talking to your mom as to why it is important to um check your genotype and and maybe you know our mothers but if you <laughs> if you if you if you explain to your mom these things okay this and this and this and this is is what can happen if i don't do this oh star so when you do it the next time maybe in communication with her friend she may also you know kind of bring it up to her friend you know yeah. and then the education begins to spread and then also yeah. maybe not in the church not on the radio um tackling at the family aspect maybe going out you know having programs just on the community in the town maybe you go to kjtr sofa line accra makola maybe there's a section where we we we, we gather we, we we set up ourselves and start to talk about these things i believe there's a section of people that also uh will, 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 will channel their attention there to kind of understand it as well yeah okay dr please if there is anything more to add Oh, I think she has she has said she has said it all. <laughs> but um, some other things that can also be be done to support patients, not necessarily to educate people, but to support patients in general, is donating blood to support transfusions. 
and um please that testing to know your status is very very important and removing or doing away with stigmatization of uh, people with the disease it's not contagious you cannot contract sickle cell disease from hugging somebody or something like that is not yeah. contagious yeah. so it's very very important to so treat them like your own brother or sister okay. let them feel okay yeah in addition okay, to what you said. okay thank you thank you so much pastor charles please you can ask your question pastor charles Okay. Yeah, hello. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so um, I want to direct this question to um, um, Dr. Princess, right? All right. Okay. So I'm not doing targeting. I just want you to answer the question. And it's, it's about um, this um, sickle cell. You, you said that um, there's no cure for it, right? So yeah. if someone has it, you just manage it till the person sort of like die, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, I want to know why um, there's no like a law that prohibits people from, let's say someone is AS and then wants to get married to somebody who is SS, you can go to the extent of like advising them that, oh, it won't help you. And then if you go into this, the implication like you're all doing. But then they, they, if they still want to go ahead and get married, there's no law that will prevent them from getting married. So these people get married and then they end up producing offsprings that we, we become friends with, they become our relatives, they become people that are engraved in the social circle. And then you'll be living with somebody after 18 years, 24 years, 25 years, and the person is gone. Why is this person dead? Oh, he had, he was an SSO. So like if what, Obia Krenya, uh, if someone is a sickle cell patient and then he crosses 20, then we are expecting the person to die any moment from now. <laughs> like we are, we are waiting. We are waiting for the person to settle like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Is it not more expedient that we have laws that will, just like when COVID-19 came, you guys forced us by force. Don't go out without <laughs> this. Don't do this. Don't go here. Don't yeah, because you are trying to prevent a mass sort of like death or something. So... There should be a lot because the religious part, like or the religion, as in the church and other people, we can go to the extent of trying to advise them. Me myself, I never knew about these things until I wanted to get married. They asked us to go and do tests, and then yeah, they explained to us uh, when I went for the results. The guy was like, "Oh, you are good to get married." I was like, "What do you mean we are good to get married? We were going to get married." <laughs> Like, then it was explained to me, said that, oh, because you are this and she is this, if you, you are this and then well, she was that, then there would be a problem. I said, eh, I see. But without that, me, I would have gone straight to get getting married and then forget about the whole thing. But if there's a law, and when we went to our counselor, uh, he said the same thing. He said that even there are people who come, they are, this one is SS, the other one is SS. They tell you have 50% chance of producing SS. But they still say that in yeah, we are in love, we want to get married. Mm. So we just bless the marriage and then they end up producing children who become like uh, a problem for the society at large. So I want to know why um, the World Health Organization or whoever is in charge of this health thing is not making <laughs> laws to prevent people who have these things to, to I mean, ending up getting married and breeding out. SS people, because 
I don't think it helps because there's no cure. And he will know, yeah, oh. You see, there's one painful thing that happened to our ministry just this year. A guy, a very brilliant guy, just completed school, did his national service. Very promising guy. He did, I think he did uh, um, something, something engineer that has to do with flying the airplane or something. Very bright guy. Then all of a sudden, guy knew why. He said, oh, he was an SS patient or all that. Didn't you know? I said, no, I don't know. I, the parents were aware, so they were buying drugs from, but they knew the guy would die anyway. And you're fine. So that's my question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, um, well, in my opinion, I believe that should there be a law that says that if you are AS and, you are, uh, and your partner is AS, we will not allow you to marry. The kind of protest and the kind of uprising that will arise in this world for those that will fight for human love rights and what kind of love rights that, that, that you can think of. So they really cannot force you to not marry. The only thing that we can do is to explain to you and let you know um, the pros and cons, let you know what is involved in what you're about to get yourself into. I mean, in the hospital, there is no law. You can't, it's the person's right, it's their life. They have the right to make decisions that they want to make. Because, for example, I'm sure Dr. Mamia Kosia, maybe if she's already working in the hospital, there are some cases that will come. You, you as a doctor, you know that this intervention will help the patient. But the patient can tell you that, no, I don't want it. And you cannot force the patient. You have to honor their decision. So the only thing that in such cases, what they do is that, for example, if they know that the condition of the patient is very severe and this intervention can help a patient says no, the only thing they can do is to have you sign a consent form that, hey, I have agreed and consented that I am not going to do this. I know the repercussions, but my decision is final. So the same way, the World Health Organization, they cannot force people that, hey, you are AS, you are AS, so will not allow you to marry. That is going to be an infringement on their human rights. So the only thing we can do is to educate you, let you know how serious um, the, the, this uh, situation is. And if you still want to go ahead and marry, then you go ahead. I believe a lot of people still go ahead to marry because... For example, especially for the Christians, most of them believe that, oh, they will keep praying so that God will change the genotype. So some people, they will go ahead to marry and they are like, hey, so they are praying that once they get married, they are going to pray uh, so that God will change the genotype from SS to AA. Meanwhile, the same God has given you knowledge before, ahead of time, so that you can choose the right path. So it all boils down to us. Sometimes I think that sometimes we over spiritualize a lot of things, you know. So yeah. most of these people you know they know that oh we can pray, God will listen, God will change it, God will change it, or or, or oh when it comes we can handle it, we are in love. But the love, no, I think Pastor, maybe you can give us an example. Say when you are married, I don't think it is always rosy, rosy, rosy. So you should you should understand, say, if the child has sickle cell, it will oh. affect the child, it will affect you, the parent. And then there is no joy in your life. Then imagine the child promising, promising, promising university engineer, then pew, the child dies. The impact on your life is going to be far worse than you not having the child at all. So I believe that it's, first of all, we can't, you can't force anyone. You can't force anyone. You can only advise. And then they, they have their choice to, to make, yes. 
Um, um, doctor, sorry. See, I'm just saying this so that, um, like, I don't know, but since you guys are doctors, maybe you have some special boardroom meetings that you go to so that you can just check these things because <laughs> COVID-19, they restricted our movement and our freedom because it's uh, like they didn't say that, oh, you don't feel like going to uh, going outside or you feel like going outside, so go. No, they said everybody stay in your room, cover your nose, do this thing by force. And even in America, some people were protesting, yet they'll they'll put you in jail because stay home means stay home. So and and this one it's because it will affect the the not only you but other people. The same with sickle cell, it's not affecting only you but other people. So the decisions you make, even though you are marrying who you want to marry, you are loving who you want to marry, at the end of the day, you affect other people's life. This guy here, who is he's saying called Yobika. Says when you do Tiani Kaman. Anyway, so um, I wanted to I say something about that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. for instance, this <laughs> uh, thing about the sickled person that passed away—if maybe he owed somebody—how would that have? That can happen to anybody, really. That can happen to anybody. Anybody can also die at an early age, even not from sickle cell disease. Um, it's almost sounding as though we're painting um, sickled cell patients as some sort of really, really huge burden to the society or something. I saw a quote somewhere that says, our biology does not define our destiny. They're also human beings, really. And with adequate management, they can have good quality of life and be able to live and do what they want to do, uh, reach for their goals and aspirations and things like that. It just so happens um, in our developing country, we don't have as much to, to, to give to be able to support. But I mean, just as even God gave us choice between good and bad, you can't rob somebody of their choice to... I don't know, procreate even though they know something is up. And there's different uh, economic statuses for people, financial statuses for people. Maybe some people can actually bear that and bring the child to a very good place in society. There are some sickle-celled people that are well-to-do and living their lives and even doing things that you might not expect a sickle-celled patient to be able to do into sports and things like that so i mean the choice really is something to be counseled on but you can't force anybody for the covid it was a matter of public um public yes something like that because then uh somebody else can get it if you come and sneeze on somebody and it was really really uh it was a very, very delicate situation, right? But sickle cell is not contagious. It's not something that you go outside and you come and get it from somebody else for them to have to put public sanctions on the disease. That alone is like stigmatizing patients. I mean, I'm trying to imagine how I would feel if I were a sickle cell patient and I was tuned into the podcast and like being made to sound like such a huge burden. I don't think it's something we should really like paint out like that right i understand that it is 
a stressful thing to take on as a family and it's painful to see loved ones pass and everything and that is why the preventive measures have been put in place but as human beings i mean sometimes we like to test things and that one is out of our control but that is not to say if people decide to test things and a human being who was at no fault um came out of it we should make them feel like such a burden i don't think we should do that i don't know if we understand what i'm saying but yeah i think um, with adequate management it's it's possible to afford sickle cell patients good enough quality of life to be able to live to achieve their dreams and all that as well it's, it shouldn't be a matter of public sanctioning that's something that really is not going to work and like uh, my fellow doctor mentioned would lead to a lot of public uproar and things like that so yeah that's that's the little i can add to that okay 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 thank you doctors thank you pastor charles thank you to the audience thank everyone that is here today to tune in and listen to us on our topic of discussion sickle cell disease i appreciate you all for being here i appreciate the time thank you all for being here i really really do appreciate it before i go i would also want to say something small something few sickle cell disease is something that is manageable but then it's costly and I've seen patients go through sickle cell disease. I mean, it is hectic. Sometimes parents that are that's where sorry were really in love cannot break off the marriage because of the child that they've brought forth. Because yeah. to start there, see your child go through that pain, and then it gets to you to get to understand that this is something that I could actually have avoided if I had listened. So please, the preventative methods are very important. Yeah, get to know your status before you even start or define the relationship because it is better that way so that you know how to go about things. Don't bring forth a child just for the child to come out here and suffer, being in the hospital every day, taking all sorts of medications, being put through oxygenation, a whole lot of things go through um, sickle cell patients at the hematological department and it's absurd. It's very disheartening. So please, if you have the chance to avoid it, it is still not too late to do so rather than bringing the child here for him or her to go through all that stress. Thank you, everyone. It has been an amazing show. I want to thank our guest speakers so much for their time being here. Thank you, Dr. Princess. Thank you, Dr. Mamia Kosia. We really appreciate you guys for your time and the explanation that you've given us. And for my original host miss celestina dumi japon thank you for giving me the platform today to host this program and pastor charles our original host our original um, program beginner thank you so much for opening the platform for us good night to you all till next two weeks it is bye-bye for now thank you too. Jesus in the darkness of